thank you for being here. Would you guys stand and join us? We're going to do some worship together. I'm going to pray really quick. Father God, um, would you find our worship to you pleasing? God, would you transform our hearts? Would you help us to, to get right um, in our heart and our spirit today, this morning? Um, and would that not just be emotion, but would it be a life change? In Jesus' name, amen. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us, forgive us as we forgive the ones who sinned against us. Forgive them and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil way. Let your kingdom come. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done on earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Father, let Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done on earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us, forgive us. As we forgive the ones who sinned against us, forgive them and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let your kingdom come. It's yours, it's yours, all yours, all yours. Full kingdom, the power. The glory are yours. It's yours, it's yours, all yours, all yours. Forever and ever, the kingdom is yours. It's yours, it's yours, all yours, all yours. The kingdom, the power, the glory. Let your kingdom, Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Amen. You guys can have a seat.
Hey, good morning, everybody. Have a seat. Welcome to Discovery. I'm not going to move this. I was going to move it. It's my habit, but I'm going to move it. You guys doing okay? Yes, it's wet again. I'm so excited. Goodness. Okay, maybe not. So, hey, welcome everybody here. Well, I want to welcome live stream everybody at home and in the comfort of your home. We all braved it in the rain. So, anyway, hope you guys are feet are dry. So, Hey, um, and then happy uh, Lunar New Year. So Lincoln District is celebrating uh, Lunar New Year today. So hopefully you found a good parking place so, um, and made your way. I know people are still making their way in uh, looking for parking places. So I want to encourage you, by the way, if you can, after the service, to go and buy some lunch on, at somewhere in Lincoln District. Be a, be a part. Um, we, want, we don't want to be people that are just kind of using this part of the city. We want to be a, people who are giving back and are participating, building community here. So if you have the building time, you want to go grab some lunch somewhere in the Lincoln District, do that. Just be a great way to engage in our area, okay? Um, anybody round of applause for that? Come on, somebody. Yeah. You can get excited about lunch, right? <laughs> So um, a couple of things coming up we want you to be aware of. We, I wrote them down here. We have a couple of cool opportunities. Um, there's some discussion about a mission trip down to Baja, California to be a part of Eternal Anchor uh, this summer. The, the uh, interest meeting is going to be next weekend. So if you, if you have some time after the services next week, love to have you stop in. It's going to be room 22, excuse me, yeah, 228. Um, today, there's going to be the second in our all-in seminar. So if you are part of that, if you missed the first one to come join, sit down on it. You can totally do that. It's going to be in the basement in the teacher's lounge. Love to have you be a part of that. And then also, um, the week of February, uh, Tracy, are you in here? My wife's not in here. There's going to be, we're, we're partnering with the library here at Lincoln High School. So we're looking for people who want to be a part of uh, kind of encouraging literacy here through Lincoln High School. There's going to be an event the week of February 18th. I believe it's a Wednesday. I don't know the exact date of that. So it's the 21st. Okay, so that's not down in my notes. But there's some really great ways to get involved in our community. And honestly, friends, it's one of the things that we talk about here at Discovery quite a bit is that God has called us to be engaged on mission in our community. And there's some really great ways for you to do that. So um, one of the things that we're doing today is we're, we're worshiping Jesus. This is one of the things we do for this community. Did you know that? It's like today our act of worship is for the Father. It is for you and your heart. But it is also for this community. I think something powerful happens when churches meet in different parts of the cities, different parts of our county, and we worship. I think, I think it's important for our city that there's a church worshiping here this morning. So um, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and we are going to pray. And then after our prayer time, we're going to sing a couple of songs of worship. And I get it. You may not know the songs, um, and that's fine. One of the things you can do is, and here's a habit that I have when I'm walking through worship Sometimes if I don't know the songs, I just open my Bible up. I love walk, going to the middle of your Bible to the Psalms. If you don't know the song, just open to the Psalms and just read. Read Psalm 27. Read Psalm 23. Read Psalm 42 or 46. While a song is being sung over you, it is an incredible way to worship. If you need to sit down during the songs because your body can't take it or you just need some prayer time, listen, please do that. This is not a space where people are watching and keeping track. We really want you to engage honestly with the Father today. After a couple songs, we're going to open our Bibles up. So I want you to have a Bible handy and some way to take some notes. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's some right behind Barb. This is Barb. She's my friend, and she's going to point out a few Bibles. We want those to go away. You can take one. Take it home. Um, so we're going to be walking through the Gospel of Luke together this morning. And then we're going to pray together at the end. We have several things we're going to pray together as a church for at the very end of our service. 
So that's what we're going to do today. Let's pray. Our Father, God, we are so grateful this morning to be here. And I'm just being here this morning is a sign that you are absolutely not done with me. I get real tired of taking life for granted. I'm tired of the weight of not only taking life for granted, but thinking that you owe me something. This morning, I I recognize that it is only because of your mercy that I have another day. And so over the next few moments as we sing, um, some of us, some of us are going to sing in here with just incredible joy. Like this has been just a week of answered prayers. Father, some of us this morning, as songs are being sung around us, it's going to be hard to sing, not because we don't know the words, but because things hurt too much this morning. And so I pray, Father, that you would, you would receive just our presence and this commitment to be here as an act of worship. And I pray that for those that have these heavy hearts, I, I ask that as we're worshiping, that He would just wash over the heaviness and the burdens. Not to mask them and to pretend that they don't exist because that's not how you navigate. The Lord is my shepherd. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they protect me. You, you promise not to erase or pretend things away, but you promise to be present with us in the darkest and most difficult of moments. And I pray this morning you would wash over us with the sense that you're here. And then, Father, when we sit and we open your word, would you creak open these rusty doors of my soul that I I have ignored and I have closed? Will you just help me pry them open? And will you ignite something that has long, has long needed to be ignited? And I pray this for me, I pray this for all of us, in Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you to remain standing, if you can, as our team leads you. Set down. 
Father God, that it is is just no small thing that you have you, you pierced the incredible divide between heaven and earth with your son Jesus. It is no small thing that you sent your son. It's no small thing that he came to live and to teach and work wonders, to walk up that terrible hill, to be crucified. It's no small thing. His body was carried off limp off of that cross and buried, and it's no small thing that on the third day. He rose again. And it is no small thing that you did this for me. What an incredible, incredible gift that God of the universe would not look down with such disdain and rightfully just destroy us. Instead, look down with so much love. And then to find me. And to love me and call me your own. It is no small thing. I am so grateful. May you have your perfect and wonderful and good way in me 
May your word be sharper than any two-edged sword, like it says. May it pierce as far as the division of soul and spirit, like it says. May it judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, like it says. May you speak to me. In Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Please have a seat. Like, uh, okay, here, sit down with your body, but don't sit down with your heart. Is that a deal? Like, let's, 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 when we open up God's word, I think that's, that is, we're still worshiping, my friends. Like, we are sitting in a really special moment. I want you to find your Bible. I want you to find the Gospel of Luke. As a church, we're walking through the Gospel of Luke together real slowly. We're all the way up to Luke 12. We're almost done with Luke chapter 12. And so we're kicking off a brand new series today called Reasonable Faith. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about an unreasonable, well, that's what it feels like sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Amen? Anybody? Faith seem a little unreasonable sometimes. It seems, it seems difficult. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about how to find it, how to stoke it, how to encourage it. Um, this is a, it's just incredibly important, and I, I'm confident it's really relevant can you say that really relevant? You know, really relevant. Because I think in my conversations with most of us, we wrestle with faith. Like some of us in this room, like you're just trying. You're trying so hard. You're trying to do the right things, but you're not sure that uh, the igniter's working. Anybody have a stove like that? We got a stove like that, that one of the, uh, one of the thing, burners does not. You turn it, you hear it go click, 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 and it just doesn't want to ignite. I think sometimes our faith feels like that. We're doing all the right things, turn all the right buttons, and it just feels like it's not working. So the next few weeks, I'm hoping that our time together in God's Word helps ignite something powerful in your life. When I think of my faith journey, uh, the best picture I have is a picture of when I was nine years old. And I've shared some of the stories from this event because this one little week was so impactful to me. It was my first camp, and I think my only camp that I ever went to. I was a, I was a Cub Scout. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I was a Cub Scout. I was on my way to become a Weeblo. And I went to Cub Scout day camp. Not night. I wasn't old enough. I went to day camp, and I remember going to Cub Scout day camp, and it was the coolest thing. There's so many cool moments in it. But one of the days, we were all there. I don't know. There's probably a couple hundred, like, nine-year-old boys, okay? And they gather us all out in the field, and the, the people up front said, hey, today we're going to do something really cool. We got some soldiers coming, and we are going to learn how to repel. And I don't know if you can kind of transport yourself back to being nine, but I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life, you know. So if you don't know much about repelling, I'm not going to explain it because I don't know much about repelling, to be honest, okay. I just, repelling is like you're up and you want to get down, and they want a safe and fast, cool way. And if you've watched it on TV, they do it off of buildings, off of mountains, sometimes out of helicopters, and it looks amazing. It looks like they're floating in air. Anybody? It looks kind of adventurous and cool, and as a nine-year-old boy, I'm like, absolutely sign me up with the rest of the 200 of us, we were excited. They gave some sort of instruction, but we were nine and we were boys. We had no clue, right? We had no ability to pay attention. And then they said, okay, we're going to go to this tower. And so we basically ran to this tower and we all tried to cram into the staircase, you know, all 200 of us. And they tried to get some order to the mayhem. And anyway, gradually I made my way 
up the staircase, and we got to the top of the staircase, and there in this open area, they got these soldiers, and they're putting harnesses on boys, and when it was my turn, I mean, so much adrenaline and excitement, you know, and I was, I was touching a soldier, like uh, I was touching a hero, right? And he was like, had his arm on my shoulders. It was so cool. Put a harness on me, he's explaining it to me. And then they led me over to this platform. And I took about three steps on this platform and stood up there. And he said, You ready? And I said, I'm ready. And he he hooked me into this rope, and I turned around, and I looked over the edge. <laughs> and I don't know what happened, but nothing in my body moved. And I became paralyzed. The ground looked like so far. The, the soldier on the ground looked like a tiny little ant. And I began thinking about my life at nine, what I haven't accomplished, and they kept encouraging me, and it became like this hostage negotiation. You can imagine, you know, they're like, come on, you can do it. And, I'm like, and I kept saying, wait, wait. And I'd say, count. And they'd, they'd count, and I'd say, count again. And we kept going, and the kids down below were like, John, you can do this. And the kids behind me are getting impatient the way to go. And I just, I couldn't move. So this soldier picked me up by my shoulders and hooked me from the rope, and he placed me in the corner. And it was humiliating. And I was mad and I was, I felt shame and embarrassment. And I didn't know, like at, like at nine, I didn't know what to do with my emotions. Listen, I'll be honest, I didn't know I had emotions until I was 35. This is, that's true, that's another sermon, okay, but like I didn't know what to do with my emotions and so and I didn't cry, friends, but like stuff was coming out of my eyes. It was like just really extra wet. And then stuff was coming out of my nose, but I wasn't crying. And I told everybody else I wasn't crying. I'm not crying. But I just kept doing this thing the whole time, you know. I'm just, you know, just, you're just like, I wanted to do this thing. And you know, just the whole time I'm watching guys just run up the platform and leap off into the unknown. And they're laughing with glee. And I'm frozen. And... Eventually, this soldier comes over. He's just this gentle guy. He says, hey, do you want to try this again? And I said, yes. And I still couldn't move, so he picked me up, and he put me on the platform. And I want you to know I went through the same thing. They kept saying to me this phrase. They kept saying, maybe you've heard this before. Just trust me. In fact, there wasn't just one platform. There were several platforms, and... Uh, the soldiers down at the bottom said, watch this. And one of the kids who had leapt off with joy, they, you know, if, if you pull the ropes just right, you can arrest. So they can stop. And this kid was just dangling in midair and laughing. And like, see, we got you. Trust us. My, my hope is that if you feel like you're on a platform when it comes to faith and you feel frozen, like you want to do this and you just you can't. My hope is over the next several weeks that there'll be some breakthroughs. That nine-year-old little boy eventually leaned backwards into the unknown, and I repelled. Listen, it wasn't pretty. It was no artistry. Um, I'm hoping over the next few weeks that you lean back, and it doesn't have to be pretty. 
that will change your life. What we're going to do is we're going to follow the words of Jesus, and we're going to walk through the gospel of Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 12. And we're going to pick up right where we left off in our last series. We're going to pick up in verse 49. And I'm going to warn you that, and we've talked about this as we got to chapter 12, the, the tenor and the tone of Jesus' language and teaching is changing. He's becoming much more pointed. He's becoming less that kind of caricature that we often have of Jesus. Um, he's becoming very prophetic in his language, very pointed, because what he's talking about, he's trying to go to the heart of the issue for so many of us. So read along with me, um, starting in verse 49. We're going to read all the way down to verse 59. Jesus says, I've come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism to undergo, and, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No. I tell you, I did not come to bring peace, but... Division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, Mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. It does, doesn't Alicia? Verse 54, he's then said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, man, it's going to get hot. And it is. Verse 56, he says, but you hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but how is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Why don't you judge for yourselves what's right? As you're going with the adversary, your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled on the way, or your adversary may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid that last penny. Okay, wow. I told you it's pointed. I told you the tone and language, uh, the tenor of Jesus' conversations are changing, um, and they're changing for the better. Jesus is just, he's trying to be very, very pointed and specific to us and to our issues particularly the issue of faith. Hebrews 11.1, one, now the King James Version says this, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I want to encourage you to write that down. When we use the word faith, we, say, we mean and say lots of different things. I want to be very specific what we're going to talk about in the next few weeks when we talk about faith. We're going to talk about a reasonable faith or a faith that's rooted in reason. Or in the King James, it says rooted in, did you catch these words? Substance. A New Testament faith is a faith that's rooted in substance. Hebrews 11 once is not just substance, but it gives this word evidence. A New Testament faith is a faith that's rooted in substance, but it's fueled by hope. That may be the best way to describe it. A New Testament faith is rooted in substance, but it is fueled by hope. It is neither the absence of proof or the absence of trust. It is this beautiful and uncomfortable collision of the two. That's the faith that Jesus is calling you and I to. It's it's much like our experience with love. Like healthy, vibrant love has evidence, but it is proven in the mysterious absence of evidence. And if you've experienced love, real healthy love, you know what I mean. 
begins with some evidence, but it's proven or it's experienced in the absence. I, I, I so many pictures of healthy love. I have a friend of mine that uh, his wife came down with a, a terrible, rare illness. And it took her ability first to walk and then her ability to move, her ability to talk. She got to the point the last 10 to 15 years of her life she could not communicate, she could not even feed herself. 10 to 15 years, this man rose up every day to serve her when she could prove nothing to him of her love. Yet... It is absolutely the most beautiful picture of love. Jesus loves you so much. He has given you evidence of His love, His existence. But He calls you into something deeper, a love or a faith-filled relationship with Him that is rooted in evidence, but it is fueled by hope. Now, I want to be clear Again, I want to say this. There is evidence of God's existence. There is evidence of God's ways. There is evidence of God's love. Jesus starts with evidence. I want to go back through the passage. I want you to see it. Verse 49 and 50. Jesus says, I've come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I'm under until it's completed. Now, I want to be clear. When you and I hear the word baptism, we think of a religious ritual. When Jesus uses the word baptism here, he's not talking about a religious ritual. He's talking about the act of being submersed so deeply in something that it takes you completely under. Do you guys know what he's talking about here? Anyone take a guess? You get to talk. Is what? He's talking about his death. Jesus says, listen, I have got this mission, this calling. I'm on my way to the cross. He's like, man, and I'm excited might be the wrong word. But I'm so, this is the mission and heart of God, yet it is going to be so incredibly challenging and difficult. It's why I came. It's the evidence of God, his mission, his heart, and his love for you. Paul writes, in the book of Romans, he says, God demonstrates. This is Romans 5.8. Would you say the word demonstrates? Demonstrates. This is evidence. The, Paul is writing, he says, I want you to know God has given us evidence of His own love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We have evidence to our faith. Jesus is not a myth. Jesus really came. He really walked on this earth. His toes really were dirty by the dirt of earth. Jesus was here. He walked on this earth. He taught. There's evidence that Jesus was here and He taught. There's evidence that He performed miracles. There's evidence that Jesus was crucified on a cross. And listen, friends, we have evidence. Eyewitness evidence eyewitness testimony that Jesus did not only exist and teach and perform miracles and die on a cross. We have eyewitness testimony that Jesus rose from the grave. We have evidence. But you know what? The New Testament doesn't spend a whole lot of time convincing us of the evidence. I'm just going to be real straight. The New Testament is not designed to, like, give you enough information Because he's inviting you to something richer, a faith relationship rooted in evidence, but fueled in hope. 
And there are actually bigger barriers to faith than the lack of evidence. Did you know that? I mean, I hear that all the time. I hear people say, well, I just need more evidence. But do you know that there's actually bigger boulders or barriers to your faith journey than evidence? This is what Jesus is talking about in Luke chapter 12. He says, listen, there's evidence, but I want to talk about the bigger boulders than the lack of evidence because there are bigger ones. And what I want to do is I want to walk through some of the boulders that we have that are prohibiting our movement forward. Think of them as boulders that have fallen on the train track of your faith journey. Jesus says, number one, is your unhealthy circle. Let's read it together. From now on, there will be, Alicia saw this, from now on, there will be five in one family divided against the other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Jesus says, this incredible work that I'm doing is going to have consequences. It's going to cost. And one of the things that's going to really bring tension in the family because so many of us are in unhealthy circles. Amen? Amen. And if you are in an unhealthy circle, an unhealthy family, it is likely deeply prohibiting your ability to grow in your faith. Now, what does that look like? What's an unhealthy circle, Pastor John? Well, there can be several different categories of unhealthy circles. A lot of us have a boulder in our life when it comes to faith because we have people in our life that have claimed to be Christ followers, have claimed to be good Christians and religious, and maybe they even are, but they've caused us incredible pain. We have a dad or a brother or a sister. We have a pastor. We have a church. Or right now in 2024, we have this like, we'll call it sort of like a more abstract, we just call it the church, those, those Christians out there that are causing us so much harm. We have incredible hurt. And for a lot of us, our faith journey is not hindered so much by the lack of evidence to God's existence, but we have this mound of evidence to hurt that people have caused us in our life. Amen? Some of us are so deeply surrounded by an unhealthy circle that's caused us incredible pain. Some of us, our unhealthy circle isn't that they've caused us pain. It's that we are in this codependent relationship with them. We are just overly focused on what happens to them and them to us, and we can't step forward because what it may cost them or how it may change the dynamics in our family, and what if I did this and what will happen to them? Some of us are in these deeply codependent enabling relationships, and it's hindering our faith relationship with God. And some of us are in unhealthy relationships with people who are just absolutely against God and His ways. Okay, so that's the question. What do we do? So Alicia wants to know, can you cut them out of your life? That's point three. This is sub point three. So hold on to that one. So what do you do if you're in an unhealthy circle and you're like, man, this is prohibiting. I'm on this little platform and I want to jump off in the unknown, but I've got such pain in my circle. Number one, if you've been hurt by people, this is a whole sermon series, so I'm just going to be really brief here. 
God's call for you and me is to forgive. And your faith journey is so completely intertwined with your faithfulness to forgive people in your life. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 6. If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father... Will you guys read this with me? Is it up there? Matthew, can we get Matthew 6.15 up there? Is there any way? There we go. Matthew 6.15. Read this together out loud, everybody. If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You see how Jesus intertwines these two things? One of the reasons why you're stuck on the platform is because you're, you're afraid to forgive Him. You're afraid to forgive them. And if you want your faith journey to be ignited, God is calling you to take the step to forgive. And as you forgive, God begins to ignite a beautiful faith relationship in your life at the same time. Does this make sense? What do you do about the people in your life that you're constantly worried about? You've got this, this enabling. Um, I think about, so years ago, I got a promotion at work. I was working a, a second job. And I don't know if people do this anymore, but I got a promotion at work, and the requirement was I had to shave my beard. Anybody? I don't know if that's still a thing, but I got a promotion, and they're like, hey, we, we like you. We've seen your good work. We want you to become a supervisor, but you can't supervise and have a beard. It just doesn't work, okay? So anybody? All right. And so, any, so I'm like, I come home, I'm like, hey, Tracy, should I take this promotion? And she's like, well... Honestly, John, the kids hate your beard. <laughs> I'm not wanting to say it, but, you know, they're always complaining how scratchy it is. And you're like, you know, when you wrestle with them, they're like, Mom! And they come back with these rashes on them. And they're like... <laughs> and so we had this conversation. We're like, well, it's going to be better financially. And if it's financially better for us, it's better for the kids. The kids are going to like it. Because I'm like, oh, this is a, this is a no-brainer. And so I'm like, okay. So I shave my beard, and I go to work. I take this the new position, and I come walking back into my house. And my kids were young at the time. You guys already know where this is going probably, right? I, I, I walk in the house, and, and Tracy says, kids, dad's home. And the kids come running around the corner, and they scream. They start running the other way. And they want my littlest one, it was Charlie at the time, he, he didn't want me to pick him up. They're like, no. One of them said, put it back, put it back, put it back, you know. And it's, it's kind of weird. You, sometimes you do something that your family needs, but the very people that you're doing it for are now, are now friction against it, right? They're like, and, and it's because they have their own journey to go through. And listen, it is not your responsibility to navigate their journey. That's their responsibility. I love at the end of the Gospel of John, this is such a real raw moment. You guys remember that in the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus has already died. He's resurrected. He's been hanging out with his disciples. In fact, he has a little breakfast with them on the beach. I love that picture. Jesus is like, I made breakfast for you. And they're having breakfast together. And during their breakfast, 
Peter, who like royally failed Jesus. You guys remember that? How many times did he betray Jesus? Three times. I mean, he, he, he got up to the plate. He had the ball like on the tee three times, and he whiffed, right? And there's such embarrassment. He's like that kid taken off the platform. He's in the corner, right? And Jesus, during breakfast, pulls him aside, and he's like, Peter, you're my man. That's my translation. He's like, you're my man. And, and he builds him up, builds him up over and over again. He says, like, Peter, I love you. I want you to tend my sheep. Peter, like, he finally gets it the third time around. And then Peter, who he's still kind of a dork. Oh, forgive me for saying it, but he kind of is, right? At the end of all that, he's had this incredible moment with Jesus. And then Peter, while he's standing there, says, oh. I mean, after he's been lifted up, he looks over at his buddy John, who's one of the disciples, and he's like, hey, Jesus, what about this guy? Do you know what a dork he is? Again, that's my translation. It's not found in John. But I want you to hear how Jesus responds. He says this. Again, not exactly in the gospel, but I think this is what Jesus does. And then he says, Peter, this is John 21, 22. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. And it's not enough, friends, on a Sunday morning to take four minutes to talk about releasing an enabling and unhealthy relationship. I just want to say to you, you have got to find the way to do it and find the help to allow the people in your life to have their own journey with Jesus, to recognize that they may have some joy and sadness, they may have some grieving because you're going a different way. And it may be a way that they've been praying for, by the way. Sometimes people pray and pray and pray. That Sometimes, sometimes ladies, they pray for their husbands for years because their husbands need to have this repentance and change. Um, but it, it ends up costing them. And vice versa, sometimes husbands pray for their wives for years and years and years. And when their wives finally change, it's hard because they're now walking on Jesus' path and it's costly. So I just want you to know you, ha- you and I have to release other people in our life, kids, husbands, people in the world, we have to release them. I'm taking too much time on that because I want to get to Alicia's question, the number three. What if you have people that are just absolutely against the work of God? And truthfully, sometimes you just have to create hard boundaries. If you have unhealthy relationships, and I want you to know that's a Jesus thing, Matthew chapter 10. Jesus says, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words. He's talking to his disciples when he sent them out on mission. He's like, you're going to go on a mission. You're going to go into places and great things are going to happen. But sometimes people are going to be absolutely against the work of God. And here's what you do. You leave. You leave that home or you leave that town and you shake the dust off your feet. Not out of spite, not out of anger, not out of bitterness. You leave because God has called you into a calling that is greater. And if you're in an unhealthy circle, friends, for you to step into faith, you have to address that boulder in your life. So there's three more. I'm going to go quickly because I'm running a little bit out of time, but I want to go, and they're so important. And the second one I'm not going to be able to spend a lot of time on because, frankly, Jesus doesn't spend a lot of time on it. But listen, let's watch this. Verse 54 
Jesus then said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. You get your umbrella. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to get hot, so you leave your umbrella at home. Verse 56, you hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? What Jesus is saying is that sometimes we get so um, comfortable with the status quo that we become unaware of the work of God around us right now. We're too comfortable. And the truth is, is that sometimes it's not that we need more information. We have to address our reluctance to leave the status quo because this life that I've carved out has become too easy. And I'm becoming blind to the work of God. You've heard us say this in Sunday mornings, and I'll just say it again, is that Jesus didn't come for the healthy. He told us this. He came for the sick. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the unrighteous. In fact, Jesus one time said, he said, it's easier for a camel. Or, camel's bigger a little, Anybody? Okay, so you are not expert on camels, right? We all agree they're what? They're big. And so Jesus says, it's actually easier for a big camel to go through the, everybody, the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus isn't talking about dollars. He's talking about comfort with the status quo. Too many of us have become far too comfortable with this status. And until you get to a point where you say, I am tired and I'm hungry for different. It's not the lack of evidence. It's your comfort. And Romans 13 says, understand the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. A little translation, Paul says this, hey, P.S., today you're closer to your death than you were yesterday. That's a little cheery note for this morning. But here's what Paul says, like, I wish that you'd wake up from your comfort and your slumber. You don't, you don't recognize. You stop being able to judge the present time. You're on your way to judgment. You will stand before the Father. It's coming. And P.S., you're closer today than you were yesterday. Oh, I wish that you would wake up. But again, I don't know that there's any trick to tell somebody that's asleep. At some point in your life, you have to wake up. That's the second boulder. The real barriers of faith isn't lack of evidence. The real barriers of faith is often our circle or our addiction to the comfort. And the third one is real similar to this, but simply it's my sin. Some of us stand on the platform and we want to jump, but we recognize what it's going to cost, what we're going to leave behind. Jesus said it this simply in verse 57. He says, why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? This present sin that you are continuing in your life, that you're willfully continuing in your life, is the enemy to faith. It's not the lack of evidence. It's your unwillingness to let go of this sin. And this sin is searing your conscience. I, I want to give you 1 Timothy 4.2. It says, 
These evil people cannot see what is right and what is wrong. It is like their conscience has been destroyed with a hot iron. The longer you are entertaining this sin in your life, the more you are... The the actual Greek word here, uh, destroyed with a hot iron, is the word cauterized. You guys familiar with this? It's when you you add some, some heat and you kill the skin, the nerve, you end it. And Paul's writing, he says, this is what happens when you over and over and over again continue to entertain that willful sin against God. You are cauterizing your own heart. You're becoming calloused. In my opinion, friends, so many men and women want to step into faith, but they don't because they are numb to the work of God. Listen to what Jesus says. Here's Matthew chapter 13. Jesus says, this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly see, they hardly hear. They've closed their eyes. Otherwise, listen to what Jesus says, otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I love the end. And then I would heal them. So I'm just, I'm trying to shoot it to you straight is that the longer you continue to entertain this, it is not God's fault for not giving you enough evidence for his existence, his reality, his mission, the resurrection. For a lot of us in this room, it is our willful disobedience to the Father that has cauterized our own hearts. What do you do if you're growing numb to the work of God? First John says this, walk to the light. Like your steps off that platform may first be steps just out of darkness into light. Like I am done. I'm turning away from this. This is destroying me, it's destroying my marriage, my family. And I'm done. I'm going to get the help I need to get out of the darkness and move to light. And as I do that, well, look at this. This is so great. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, watch this, now we have fellowship with one another, and now the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We're all in the same place, folks. Amen? Amen. Verse 9, but if we confess our sins, He is faithful, and He is just He will forgive us our sins, and He will, I love this. What's the word up there, everybody? And He will purify us from all unrighteousness. Jesus is calling us. He's like, I'm going to the cross, and this is is going to bring freedom and healing. But let's not kid ourselves. In this real world, it's going to cause division and it causes division because there are boulders in our lives that are barricading the work of God. It's our unhealthy relationships that barricade the work of God in our life. It's my comfort, my unwillingness to move out of the status quo. It's my sin. And the last one I'm going to share with you this morning is that it's my distraction. Jesus says in verse 58, as you're going with your adversary to the magistrate, Try hard to be reconciled on the way, or your adversary may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you'll not get out of there until you've paid the last penny. Jesus is trying to take us back to like 
Aren't there times in life when you get real serious about getting your crap together? Think about those times. Like, have you ever, anybody ever been driving in Puyallup and you didn't even know it, and like three days later you get a little note in the mail? You guys are, you guys ever been on the river road? Amen? Come on. And so I said river road, you know what I'm talking about, right? So you live in Puyallup. I'd like you to go talk to somebody about this. But you just, you're minding your own business. In fact, I was driving river road. I was doing something good. I went to go help somebody move, okay? I was doing something good. Three days later, a little note. Our camera caught you, loser. $145 or else. Right? Amen? Ugh. Well, what do you do? Just stick it under the couch. Just don't, just forget about it. It's no biggie, right? No, of course you don't do that, right? You get something from the judge, right? What are you going to do? You're like, okay, when's the due date? You put that on your calendar. Like, you might miss everything else, but you're going to show up, right? Because if you don't show up, there's bigger consequences. Jesus like, sometimes when you get something serious that shows up in your mailbox, you get serious, right? Are we right? Sometimes when something serious shows up in your, in your box, all of a sudden you have got to be serious. And this is why Jesus says, try hard to be reconciled. It is time for you to invest in faith. You can sit and say, like, oh, it's, faith is just hard. It's, it seems impossible. You know, my mama had it. My grandpa had it. And my friends have it. I just don't think I have it. You can, do, you can play that game. But Jesus says, the truth is, is that you got something in the mail today. One day you will stand before the Father. So let me encourage you to do something. Stop being distracted. Instead, invest in faith. And I'm going to share with you a couple of verses that I think have been so meaningful to me and I think will be so helpful to you. Jeremiah chapter 29 says this. You will seek me and you will find me. Isn't that good? Like if you, if you think to yourself, I just I can't seem to find God. Listen to what the promise is. You will seek me and you will find me. Watch this. When you seek me with all your heart. Something serious has showed up and now it's time for you to address it. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says it. He says, ask. And it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. I love verse 8. It says, everybody. Everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Faith isn't easy. It's not easy for me. It's not easy for anybody I know. And I know we went through a lot of material today and just boom, boom, boom. That may even give the illusion that I think, man, get your crap together. It's hard. It's hard to stand up there on that platform and, you, and it seems like everybody else just loop and they scream with glee. And, and their relationship with God. You look around here on a Sunday morning and some, they, they seem like their hands just go up so easy when they're singing, right? And 
It just seems like when you look at their life, their life just seems so easy and so good. But you're, you're here, and it, you're paralyzed again. And I hope the first thing that you just are seeing and hearing today, that that thing is a myth. The truth is that most of us, we get up to the edge of this faith journey, and there's a paralysis that sets in, and it sets in because I got people God, some people who betrayed me. And I got some people who, while they're praying for me, they're kind of working against me at the same time. And then I have some people that are just constantly trying to pull me off the path. They're just, that's what they do. <laughs> Truthfully, I've been navigating that so long, I've learned how to survive I've learned how to occasionally dangle my foot and get a little thrill. You see how I'm doing that, holding on to something? I've learned how to do this and get just enough thrill to convince myself and others that I'm free, free. I've convinced. and So I've learned how to navigate, and I've grown somewhat comfortable where I am. Status quo. Some of us, we... uh, we didn't mean to, but we, we dipped our hand into something a long time ago. We knew it wasn't right, but now I just feel really stuck in it. And I can't seem to go forward and let go of that at the same time. I want to encourage you to invest. To invest some energy and some time to seek. To seek with all your heart. Say, God, I, I really want to get off of this platform. I really want to lean back into you. And I just want to encourage you today to make the decision. This is all I'm asking. I think this is what the Father's asking. I want to ask you to make a decision to invest. You don't have to figure everything out. You have to fix it all. But just before the Father, say, I will seek you. So what we're going to do is what we do nearly every week. We're going to have, Joe's going to play, and I'm going to stop talking. And I want to encourage you to respond to God in whatever way that you know God's prompting you to respond. After a couple moments of stillness, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I'm going to, I'm going to pray directly for these things. But I'm also going to pray for our church family. Our church family has been going through some challenges. It's been some losses. So I'm looking here in the auditorium, there's some of us here that are going through some tough, tough things. And this morning, we're going to pray for some of those, okay? So that'll be part of our prayer time as well. At the end of that prayer time, we're going to have our giving back to God moment. We're going to sing a song and those sort of things. But I want to just guard this moment. If you need somebody to pray with while I'm praying, Barb's going to be here. Barb's available. Tad's available. He'll be down here as well. If you want to pray with someone specifically, they'll be right here. So let's pray. I want to give you a couple moments. Just you do what you need to. You pray as God's called you to.
if you haven't known exactly how to pray, I'm, I'm going to give you a suggestion. If you want, you can pray along with me or put in your own words. Pray something like this. I want to be a person of faith. I see it. I, I want it. But like what was talked about this morning, I feel a little frozen on the, uh, the platform. And I hear this morning that's this call to invest, to seek. So Jesus, I'm deciding today that I'm going to seek you with all my heart. I'm not sure exactly where it will take me and where it will take my family, but I I can't stay in the status quo anymore. And so I'm making a decision. Will you help me? In Jesus I pray. Amen. Father, during our time of prayer, I want to lift up These friends of mine in our church, there's been, there's been some deep challenges. I know of uh, several families that have lost loved ones in these recent weeks. They're navigating that loss. I want to pray in Jesus' name that you bring great comfort. This week we lost a leader, a wife and a mother, a daughter. Carly has been an incredible gift to us and to her family. We thank you for her, her life of mission and her faith. And our prayer as a church is that you would lift up and care for her family. You just hold them deeply close. I think of others that are navigating not a loss, but they're at a loss to what to do in their, their family circle because there's some great emotional, spiritual, and some real physical challenges, Father. And some of our church family right now is in the middle of just some of the greatest battles of their lives. And I pray for wisdom. And I pray for love in those families. May we exhibit faith in the best of days and in the most challenging of days. And may it be our song before you. In Jesus we pray. Amen. We're going to pass some baskets. They're going to move from my right to my left. I want to encourage you to drop in that connection card. If you want some people praying with you, you could just say, pray for me, and we'll be praying with you. If you want want some help because you made a decision to invest in your relationship with God, um, say, I need some help. I'd like to talk with somebody. We'd love to be in the journey with you. After the, 
After the uh, baskets pass, the worship team is going to invite you to stand. I think Joe wants to share a little bit before we sing our song, and uh, then we'll stand and sing together, and then we're going to go. And I want to encourage you to, uh, to stay for a few minutes. Meet somebody here that's like you, paralyzed on the platform, and they're in this journey with you. Get to know some people. It's going to change you. And then after that, go get some food in the Lincoln District. Okay? And uh, God bless you guys. Uh, I'll just use me as my. So this last song, um, it's not our typical worship song. We do, we've done it a couple weeks ago, and we've done it a couple years in the past. Uh, but uh, I think it's a very fitting song for uh, what's going on in in our church community right now. Um, and it's not again not a typical worship song where most of our worship songs is like, hey, this is my relationship with God. God, what are you doing in my life? Like, let's let's meet together in the middle here. Work work in me, you know. And so. Um, this song, though, is called The Blessing. Um, whether you're familiar with it or not, the words might feel a little weird because, again, it's not the typical thing, right? It's saying the Lord bless you, and we say a lot of you and stuff. And so um, I know there are people out in our congregation where you feel that you're not worthy of this, that you don't deserve this blessing. Please, just there's a, the chorus that comes up. It says amen. And what amen has come to mean lately uh, in, in modern worship is I agree. But uh, the original means truly or verily or so be it, right? If you truly feel that way, if all you can sing is amen, then sing amen. Just say that, let it be, and, and receive that over you if, you if that's how you feel. The other thing is we all know someone who could receive this blessing, right? So the first song that we did was called The Lord's Prayer, and it's literally Jesus telling us, like, this is how you should pray, right? And again, that's the same thing, your relationship with God. Well, now we're singing the blessing, and treat this as, a, as an intercessory prayer. Like, you are interceding for someone that you know needs this blessing. Sing it over them. Think over them. And um, this wasn't planned with what uh, I was just listening to John Sermon, just like you guys were, and that part where it's saying, like, forgiving others and whatnot. That was just talking about the people that you love and that you know close you need it. If you can, make, make that your first step to forgiving someone. Pray this over someone that you think doesn't deserve it, right? Someone who's hurt you and whatnot. Let this prayer, this blessing upon them be your first step towards forgiving them, right? There's so many uses for this song, and it's not our typical worship song because it's not, I'm not singing about me. I'm singing, God, please bless this person, right? So the... Um, and the last thing I'll say about this is it is going to be very repetitive, um, but this is what the beautiful thing is. This is the, the power of song and the power of prayer combined into one, and we're going to do it. And a lot of parts, we're going to sing it soft, and then we're going to repeat it. And if you think about just music, that's kind of cool. You're, you're bringing energy and whatnot. But for us, we're singing it softly so that we can think about it, and then the more we say it, the more we believe it, the more we sing it with conviction, right, the more you believe it. You don't... You don't uh, see one of these verses that, that John had, and then it's like, oh, okay, I got it. No, you dwell on it, right? You read it over and over and over again until you believe it, until you understand it, until it's real, and then you believe in con- conviction, and you, you live it out in your life. So that's why this type of song, we do repeat it. You know, we repeat it because 
be seeing it with more conviction every time because we're believing it and we're, we're trying to speak this into existence with our God. So, uh, anyways, just wanted to give you guys to think, something to think about while, while you guys sing this. Thank you. Will you guys stand and join us? The Lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you be gracious to you the lord turn his face toward you and give you peace shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and the 
Would we know that you are the God of yesterday, today, and forever? Would we believe that we have your blessing upon us because we walk away from sin and walk away from those boulders in our lives and we seek you and we follow you and trust that you will bless us. And it may not be the blessing that we wish. It may be pain. It may be hard. It may be lonely. But we know that you are for us. You are not against us. So would you help us walk in that freedom and walk in that truth and that confidence and knowing that even when we're going through hard situations or when tomorrow looks painful or impossible, we know that you are the God of tomorrow, that you have never changed and you will always be working. Would we walk in that confidence? We pray that over one another. We pray that and ask that we would believe that over ourselves, that you are for us. God, because we are your people and we love you and we want to worship you. We want to walk in your ways. Would that be the truth that we stand on? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give him some praise. <laughs> I think that's it. I think you guys are dismissed. So if you want to help, feel free to um, find somebody who can help you, tell, tell you what to do. Not me. I don't know. And um, we're going to just play a song while y'all leave. So have a great week. Hope to see you at the festival. Mm -hmm.